Hi, I'm Jody Melman, and this is Backstage with the Bardavon. Our podcast will draw back the curtain and bring you backstage at the Bardavon 1869 Opera House that is located in Poughkeepsie, New York. For more than 150 years, notables such as Mark Twain, Frank Sinatra, James Earl Jones, Mary Tyler Moore, Santana, Aretha Franklin, and John Legend have graced its stage. In these days of COVID-19, our podcast has reached out to residents of the Hudson Valley who've been instrumental in the development of our unique music scene. Joining us today is Danny Lewis, musician, songwriter, producer, and someone who was born and bred in the Hudson Valley. Danny has toured with Joe Cocker, Cheap Trick, and the Allman Brothers Band, among others, and has appeared on discs by Ronnie Spector, Roseanne Cash, and Ricky Martin. And of course, he's best known as a founding member of the Cars and as keyboardist for Government Mule. Danny, welcome to Backstage with the Bardavon. Okay, Danny, how are you? Hi, Jody. Thanks for having me here. I'm doing great. Well, we're sitting uh, poolside at my house. We're kind of outside enjoying this beautiful uh, autumn day. And it's nice to see you, and I appreciate you coming all the way over to Poughkeepsie. Well, thanks a lot. It's good to be here, and I'm I'm, uh, uh, glad that uh, uh, we could have this time to talk and uh, see where this whole thing goes. (laughs) Well, you know... um, We've been we've been having several conversations over the period of a couple of weeks. Yes. And I've been thinking a lot about the pandemic and how it's affecting local musicians. So I understand that you and Warren have not really let the pandemic stand in your way. Um, well, let's start back in February when uh, the first... Uh, um, spikes were starting to happen out in Washington and there were a few cases on the East Coast and not much of that. I actually worked a couple of jobs during February and they were towards the end of the month. And as the news began to uh, uh, inform us of more and more cases happening, I can tell you for sure that by, well, it was leap year this year, February 29th, which, which was my last job um, in Boston with a group called the Everyone Orchestra, um, that I was already prepared to sit for two weeks and see if I had been exposed because by the end of February, things were really starting to become apparent that this was a, like a wildfire. Were you, were you in Boston? Or did you get locked down there or you were able to come home? No, I came home on February 29th mm-hmm. or March 1st, I guess it was. Yeah. And uh, they were still doing events in New York City. If you'll remember, there was a big Allman Brothers show right. at the Beacon Theater during the first week. And then there was a, uh, a big, ben- I'm sorry, at the Madison Square Garden was uh, oh, the Allman right. Brothers show. Right. And then a couple of days later, there was a huge show at the Beacon Theater uh, for a benefit. Uh, and... Uh, on both of those occasions, I was invited but opted out because I was already feeling that um, it was a vulnerable exposure. Um, there were some cases that came out of that benefit. Um, so New York was on the rise at yeah. that point. I, at that point, Government Mule, which is my regular job, weren't slated to get back to work until May 22nd. So from my own point of view, 
I had four months or three months at that point, three months off. So lockdown, no lockdown. When I come off the road, I kind of locked down anyway. Right. So the first three months of this were horrifying, but in terms of my own logistics were pretty much what I had planned. I was going to do work on the property, grow a garden, work on my studio, write some music, uh, collaborate with my bandmates. Uh, and we did all of the above um, in whatever limited fashion we could. Uh, and by the time I was supposed to go back to work, which was uh, at the end of May, last week in May, it really hit me that um, this is not part of the plan. So I was a little slow to come to the table in terms of being feeling locked down and right. inhibited by it because I was planning to take that time off anyway. Once the time off, the stipulated time off went by, um, that's when I really felt that my life as a performing artist, a touring artist, um, would not be the same again for quite some time to come. And well, Mountain Jam is usually like the first weekend in June, right? Right, and when, we usually tour into it from and, May. From May, and when did you first get notification that that was going to that was not going to happen? Oh, I think all that came to play in March. So uh, they knew fairly quickly on yeah. that they weren't going to be able to do Mountain Jam. Yeah, I mean, I was fully cognizant of the fact that I wouldn't be working until at least the New Year. Yeah, um, it just hadn't really affected my own day-to-day -day activities mm -hmm. because I knew I was going to be hiding out at home anyway during right. that time. Right. Um, that said, obviously going to the supermarket, going to whatever you needed to get done that was super important, like having things fixed that were very, you know, essential to the home or... Uh, Doctor's appointments. Yeah, all the things that... Um, all of us have had to figure out how to get done uh, and get back home safely uh, were in play. So I was fairly terrorized after my first few trips to the supermarket. I think we all were. I was kind of a weenie about the whole thing. <laughs> and the rest of the band was on the same page. So we, we agreed um, that we didn't want to do any kind of... You know, a lot of bands were doing... Um, these collaborative, uh, distant collaborations, mm -hmm. and the net result would be a split screen of each band member, uh, and somehow or another, a video editor would put it together, and the band never really played together. They just did their bits by themselves and right. in, in, in some sort of uh, synchronized fashion. And uh, we agreed that our core competency as a band was um, the live interaction and that if we could figure out a way to do something like that, uh, we'd be better off. So for the time being, we were on hold for mm -hmm. sure. Um, so I went into a, uh, uh, a musically productive uh, uh, mode the best I could with what was going on, which meant if I did want to collaborate with my bandmates, maybe sending ideas via email just to write songs and stuff and then also from the standpoint of being an instrumentalist um making sure that i was putting in the time every day to stay in shape 
so that if there was a sudden happy ending to this, uh, I wouldn't be behind the behind the curve in terms of finger wiggling and you know being in condition. You you mentioned to me uh, before something about how you were exercising your muscles on the drums. Yeah. Can you repeat that because that's just incredible what you're trying to do. Well, drums are. Drums are set up either in a right-handed or a left-handed way, depending on the drummer. And, and so I'm trying to think of an example of a left-handed drummer right now. I really can't. Um, the right-handed drummer plays um, with his right foot on the kick. Mm -hmm. And the left-handed drummer plays with his left foot on the kick. So the, 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 the whole drum kit is reversed. But you can play right-handed, right-footed, or you could play left-handed, right-footed on a right-handed kit. On a left-handed kit, you can play left-footed, left-handed, or left-footed, right-handed. And so there are four ways to play each configuration. Right. So what I was doing was taking the same rhythmic figure and learning it all four ways. And I don't know how to make that clear, no, other than it's yeah. sort of like learning how to write with both hands and your feet. At the same time. Uh, <laughs> at different times, yeah. And write, write three different things with three different appendages. And then learn how to write those same three different things, alternating those appendages. So that it's, it's kind of like a, um, a coordination drill and an independence drill. And the net result isn't necessarily that I want to be this incredibly independent, coordinated drummer. It's the uh, training that is transferable to every other instrument and also to thinking, right? to mental agility. So it was just a way for me to um, develop while I'm stuck at home. Something yeah. different, something you've never tried before, right? Um, well, I have to admit, I have experimented playing in all those different ways, but I've never committed to actually learning the same thing all those different ways. Mm. And uh, it's interesting, I don't want to get too technical with it, but if you play with the concentric hands and feet, so in other words, right hand and right footed, it feels a certain way. It's very, very locked and rigid because the whole right side is coming down together on the number one beat. If you play left-handed and right-footed, it's a little different because your left hand and your right foot are coming down, so they don't come down quite together no matter how hard you try. And you can actually try that if you just stamp your foot and hit the same hand on the table like right. that. Right. It's more synchronized than if you stamp one foot and hit the other hand on the table. Right, right. So I don't know how relevant this is to okay. our, our uh, discussion about arts during the pandemic, but, you know, you find stuff to do. I think that's the point. And you've also indicated that while you you know, were touring with the Mule, you really hadn't had time to concentrate on getting an album together. And have you been able to do that during this time? Yeah, it's been great on that end, uh, at least in terms of um, catching up. Um, I have a studio at home, and uh, 
when I joined Government Mule uh, in 2002, I would say that I was very comfortable with all the software and all the technology. And we went on the road pretty much consistently for the next 18 years. So uh, a lot has happened in the technological world since then, particularly with software. And so um, I did spend about the first month and a half of this whole lockdown um, in front of YouTube instructionals and owner's manuals just trying to get caught up uh, with uh, the technology that had kind of passed me by. As the states have been loosening up the restrictions, I understand that you and Warren have gone and done a few little gigs, or you did one. We did two. Um, two. Last weekend, uh, the, what was it, the 12th and 13th of September, um, Warren, in addition to all the other things he does, um, does solo acoustic shows on occasion. And um, in fact, when we go to Jamaica every year in January as a band, we play three nights and Warren does a solo acoustic show uh, one of those nights. And uh, we've had the occasion to have both of us, he's invited me up to, to support him while he's doing that. And um, every year in Jamaica, I usually end up doing that for a whole bunch of his solo acoustic show. And during this time period, some venues have been trying to do stuff uh, and Warren has been uh, offered a bunch of these smaller scale solo acoustic type deals. Uh, but this particular one that came down the pike from this venue in Connecticut uh, called South Farms in uh, Morris, Connecticut, seemed to have all their I's dotted and T's crossed. And um, when he called me and I checked uh, for myself, um, it looked like this thing was going to be safer than a trip to the supermarket and uh we really liked the way it worked and it's 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 kind of involved how the protocol was but it was um very vigilant and very thorough and i think um i would be very surprised and of course very dismayed if um anybody uh caught the virus on site um because they really kept it great so we did this solo acoustic show uh, that turned into a duo show uh, by virtue of Warren calling me up and asking me and uh, I was delighted to do it with him once I was satisfied that uh, I felt responsible and safe and comfortable with the whole thing <laughs> and uh, it was a lot of fun um, because uh, we kind of treated it like a band and we jammed and uh, you know, we could have done it more where Warren just did his solo acoustic thing and I just played a bunch of different instruments to support it. And, uh, of course, that was part of it, but we didn't let that stop us from interacting as if we were uh, uh, going on extended jams. And um, a lot of the show was very unscripted that way. And I think the folks that came out to see us and are used to the band doing that welcomed it uh, in spite of the fact that it wasn't fully fleshed out with drums and bass and the, the normal presentation. Um, in our minds, we just said ahead of time, um, let's, let's extend this and see what happens. So the first two days were really fun. 
Um, this was outside. This this is an totally outside. outside. Uh, Everybody had their little space to go to when they got tickets. Yeah, I mean the best way I can, I can describe it is they sold tickets in pairs. Um, so you bought a ticket along with a friend or a, a, a partner that you felt comfortable being with, and each pair of tickets had a eight by eight square designated in the field with their number on it and they knew to go to that square and um they uh had a lot of space between them and the other squares so there were no queues of people waiting to get in they had it really controlled that way merch was for the most part pre-ordered mm -hmm. so there were no queues at the merch tent right um I didn't see how they did the porta potty thing, but I'm assuming there were no cues there the way they did it. Right. So when I looked out on stage at the audience, it was mostly the space between the people, right. not the people. Right. And there were no crowds of larger than two. So, and and people were masked uh, until they got to wherever they were going. We were masked until we got onto the stage. We played without masks, masks, but at a distance. Um, on the stage, there were some variables because there were uh, support staff from the venue there, mm -hmm. and we all uh, tried to keep our masks on until the very last minute when we played. They kept their masks on the entire time, and we all used um, hand sanitizer entering and leaving the stage. Uh, and uh, the changing areas were um, swept uh, with uh, foggers and all kinds of cleaning and when we walked into the, where we were changing our clothes which was essentially a, an RV or a, tra a trailer type thing we were the only people that had gone in there after the cleaning yeah so um, it was pretty impressive how it got done and luckily for us um, we have a, a an incredible audience to play for and the shows sold out and they booked three more in October that's great so yeah. So weather permitting. Weather permitting and uh, hopefully without any new upticks, which I think is a pretty, given the fact that school's back in session and whatever phase we're in for or whatever each state is doing, restaurants are starting to open up right. again. So everybody's observing where this is taking place that there are, in fact, measurable upticks. So, well, New York and Connecticut have been very vigilant, you know, in their uh, enforcement of the laws that have to be done. If you're in New York City, you get, and you're riding on the subway, and you don't have your mask, they're now going to ticket people. Right. So, I mean, they're they're getting their acts together. Yeah, I think uh, uh, having a unified, clear, succinct message from um, government, uh, in, in New York State's particular case, made it easy for people to know what to do and um, how to um, observe whether what we were doing was working or not working and, and how the uh, progress of testing increased. It all seemed very clear in, in contrast to the federal government, which is uh, um, euphemistically put very confusing and right and, at best at, you at know best, at best yeah, one yeah. day the cdc says one thing the next day the cdc says something else and the white house says something so 
Yeah, it's unfortunately become very political, and that's not what we need. We need science at this point. You know, it's hard for me to to go there without getting um, activated, just like anybody else who's got a, a point of view on this. Right. Um, and it's uh, uh, a shame that so many people have, have died and, and that America in particular... Uh, from my memory as a kid and uh, uh, coming through my my uh, childhood into my adulthood, we were always leaders when it came to uh, catastrophes and calamities that were happening from the Berlin airlift to right. all the way up to the Ebola crisis during right. the Obama administration. And, and, and it seems like America... Um, is uh, leading by example about how not to do it mm. at this point. It's well, very, it's heartbreaking, actually. Let's let's go back to your music career. <laughs> That's <laughs> hopefully not heartbreaking. <laughs> no, it has been at times. So, did you have albums planned other than touring with the with the Mule? I mean, has that been put on hold, or is that something that you guys can work on and? Well, because the guys are on both coasts, right? Um, and travel is um, kind of restrictive at this point. We haven't we haven't come to a quorum about how best to do that. We want to. Um, in lieu of performing, we can always get, I think, a lot done in a studio environment, um, and we'd love to get into one somehow but we got to get all together in the same place do you and hear from the fans i mean do they still keep the in touch with you oh absolutely what kind of stuff do, are they sending you during this time i know that people would i remember once going to a show and we were downstairs and uh people would come with photographs that they'd taken of the band and you always were getting kind of goodies and and heartfelt uh you know fanabilia for lack of a better word <laughs> <laughs> What's it, going on now? You know, the, the, well, we can start by what happened at the show last weekend, um, a couple weekends ago, which is that I think it's a two-way street. Um, what we enjoy as a band is remarkable to me in terms of the, uh, accept, the green light that we get from our fans to try things to not do the same old, same old, to um, experiment and to put our heart and souls into uh, uh, our shows and maybe perhaps do something on the night that they came that we have never done before. And so a lot of fans go to multiple shows during the course of the year and we have a, 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 a sort of culture of familiarity with a lot of people that have been coming to shows for a lot of years. Um, and it, it gives us as musicians the fulfillment of growth and experiment through experimentation and the excitement of all of that. So we're missing that, they're missing it, and uh, um, people are also, uh, uh, some unfortunately have gotten sick, and we've, we've uh, heard some very sad news about some people who we we uh, cherish that have been part of our fan base and uh, that's been part of the communication unfortunately mm. uh, uh, 
We also uh, uh, occasionally get asked to uh, send a birthday wish or a video for graduation or something to somebody who has been following us since they were four years old and now they're in their 20s and um, that's kind of cool. Uh, so, and, and most of that just comes through um, social media messaging. You yeah. know, uh, it, this is not like we're texting or right. sending emails. Right. Um, fans know how to reach us uh, through the private messengers on social or through our web pages or through the band web pages or just, you know, old school um, uh, post office, long may it live. <laughs> Have have people been sending you videos of shows that you've done in the past? Oh, yeah. Well, as I was saying, um, a lot of folks are recalling where they were last year at this right. time on any particular given right. day. And in the case of uh, our fan base, a lot of folks are sending me um, a show they were at a year ago. And it might be a picture of them or a picture of us. You know, we're uh, pretty content rich when it comes to YouTube and recording shows and stuff like that. So um, I'm not the best person to sit and watch myself uh, <laughs> play. I, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't handle that real well. <laughs> so if people want to go see your show in Connecticut, how could they find out about that? Well, the, the venue website, South Farms in Morris, Connecticut, has a portal. Mm -hmm. um, I would imagine there's information right at the mule.net right. or the mule Facebook page in, uh, uh, that would lead you directly to what tickets were available. And I would also urge everybody that these have been out there for a while. And based on how quickly they sold out on the initial two shows, mm -hmm. I have a feeling it might be um, pretty close, if not sold out right. on all three of those. And um, there are no plans at this point that I'm aware of to do more. So, Well, that's good. You're taking it uh, step by step. And if people want to be in touch with you, you're Danny Lewis. That's a, that's a Facebook page? Yeah, I think it says Danny Lewis Musician. Yeah. Because there's a British Elvis impersonator <laughs> um, named Danny Lewis. <laughs> and uh, uh, it spells it the same way I do. And uh, he's one of those later period Elvis impersonators so you know if that's your bag uh you might uh go there instead of my page uh, <laughs> but my page is danny lewis musician and um i would like to also mention since we're talking about local musicians and pandemic strategies that there's a lot going on in the area uh outdoors and Musicians are also offering um, everything from private lessons, local musicians I'm right. talking about, to uh, original new material online. And uh, I've been on in touch with a few uh, friends and we're talking about potential outdoor collaborations and I'm aware of a number that have already happened and have been done very well. Um, so I think um, if you check the listings in the local papers more and more, unless there is some sort of uh, reversal in, t in the trend of cases, um, people are figuring out ways to share music. 
and uh, that's it's the, happened. That's the beauty of your medium. I mean, you can, okay, even if you're unable to perform live, you still can communicate through people to people through, you know, live streaming and albums. You can still keep producing. Yeah, I, the business model from the standpoint of monetization, unfortunately, has changed in that since Napster recorded music right. has sort of become uh, a lost leader and right. it's the live performances and the merch and, and if you have the merch the merch that that bands are making a living from mm-hmm. um, recorded music is is uh, very hard to 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 figure out how to make a living from I mean mm-hmm. if you get something in a movie or a TV show or uh, 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 any of those types of uh, major broadcast uh, uh, media um, there's significant royalties to be had but when you put out a record nowadays um, and it's offered as a downloadable product very little of that actually filters down to the artist so your message is support your musicians any way you can well my message is um, Register to vote and save. Okay, there you go. That's my message today. Register to vote. Register to vote and save. Yeah. The post office, (laughs) the polar ice caps, democracy. (laughs) uh, Register to vote and save uh, a lot of stuff. (laughs) Save the Supreme Court. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, If everybody's into saving, and we all are, (laughs) vote and save. (laughs) On that note, I'm going to say thank you, Danny, for coming and sitting down with me again on this on site on this beautiful uh, fall day, the first day of fall. Well, Jody, thank you. And thank you for helping out the uh, scene around here with what you're doing. And uh, much luck to the Bardavon. What a phenomenal. Right. What a phenomenal venue. And UPAC. What a great venue. Those places are steeped in my memories of, of Everything from from you know first dates right. to uh, 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 rock and roll posters of all the acts that used to play there when we were all kids, and here they are still doing it all these years later. It's amazing. Well, they'll pull through, I'm sure. I sure hope so. Hi, Chris. <laughs> Thanks again, Danny. Okay. Stay safe. You too. Thank you. Thanks again to Danny Lewis and the Bardavon 1869 Opera House for supporting our Backstage with the Bardavon podcast. Backstage with the Bardavon is produced by Patrick Watson and Jody Millman. Sound engineering and editing is by Ben Harris. If you're enjoying this podcast, please review it on iTunes. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook at Backstage with the Bardavon. Thanks again for listening and see you next time. Backstage with the Bardavon.